Nobody warns you about the potential relationship pitfalls that occur after the arrival of children. You may seem prepared with the nursery items, daycare options, and the state-of-the-art crib, but have you prepared for the added stressors to your relationship? Hi, I'm Miranda, a Gottman-trained couples therapist. And I'm Aaron. I work in the financial industry, and Miranda and I have been partners for over 20 years. And we've had our fair share of ups and downs ourselves sure after have. becoming parents. Join us as we sit with couples sharing their experiences of how love has changed since the transition of children. Whether you are trying to conceive, currently pregnant, already have children, or experience loss and infertility, this podcast will showcase authentic, real couples, just like yourself, who are navigating love after lullabies. I will also share communication tips and tricks from my experience of working in private practice for over 10 years in the state of Oregon that can help maintain and even improve your relationship. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you get something out of today's episode. Today. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning. Hi, good morning. Maybe it's not morning there. Yeah, or when you're listening to this. (laughs) But uh, we're very excited for today's episode uh, as we're scurrying around here this morning trying to pack up for to go out of town for a few days yeah we are it's a stressful morning we're trying to get everything done kids are at school but we have a pickup time and we did not bring them lunch so we have to pick them up so we have a time limit a time stamp yeah but it'll, be, it'll get done it will be and this is an exciting time of year this is our our annual trip out with friends we rent rent a house somewhere different every year yeah so it'll be fun. We've been talking a lot about, obviously, relationships after children. That's what this podcast is about. And we had the pleasure of interviewing Rach and Carrie, who are navigating their relationship with children who are neurodiverse. And they were very gracious to be completely vulnerable and talking about their experience with that, which... Yeah, they're, I mean... They're, they're parent champions in my book. Yeah. After listening to them talk about their lives and, and how it's changed. And as they describe their current relationship with after having kids, um, I mean, it's just nothing but strength in my eyes. Rach also works with parents of neurodiverse kids. So all of her information is going to be in the show notes if you know of anyone or you yourself are seeking support. So she she's offering a lot of guidance uh in regards to relationships with your partner but they've got some really good nuggets of wisdom throughout this episode so i hope that you guys enjoy it as much as we did yeah thanks everyone yeah we've been together nearly 22 years coming up next month so happy anniversary thank you (laughs) Yeah, well, no, we can definitely share all of that. Um, good, awesome. I can cope with that. Oh, tell yeah. us how you guys began. It was in a nightclub. I'd had a lot of <laughs> he had a lot of beer. I asked him, or basically, but practically dragged him down onto the dance floor. But he was not saying no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was on a bit of a roll. I'd only left my husband only four months before that, so he's my second. And she got it right the second time. Got it right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <First> <laughs> <one's practice. laughs> 
Yeah, I wasn't looking for another husband. I certainly, I had four phone numbers before I met him on that night. So, you know, nice. I wasn't looking for another husband. And then, um, yeah, he was smitten from the beginning. Apparently it took me about a week to click into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. the end of that. Yeah. And then we've been together. Oh, we got married in 2003. So we met at the end of 2000. Um, and, and then very quickly we had our, our first daughter and yeah. I'd, actually said in the marriage vows he's allowed one child and one child only <laughs> there would be no subsequent or multiple births agreed to <laughs> okay Oops. um yeah so my, my dad was the first one to remind me of that when we decided to go back in our 40s and have jackson <laughs> right. yeah you know it's tyler at that stage was like 11 nearly 12 and it was like oh i miss her when she was little she doesn't want to do cuddles anymore uh, she doesn't want to not so my little yeah, yeah it's a trap yeah, it's a trap. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to try to have a boy. So, so and all of the the signs were there. Like I've got a whole bunch of people in my network that are psychics and intuitives, and and randomly, Tyler, our daughter, who's the biggest prude out. Like, would if we were kissing, she'd be like, oh. <laughs> she starts saying, "Can you guys go and have sex so I can get a baby brother?" <laughs> eleven years old, mind you. She was eleven at the time. I'm like. Okay. <laughs> then our older daughter, she was around and she's like, she was on this thing of getting a pet and we were living in a, a um, apartment that we weren't allowed to have pets. And she's like, can I get a budgie? No. Can I get a fish? No. Can I get a dog? No. <laughs> can I get a panda? <laughs> no. And then, yeah, as part of that kind of flow and as we're walking through the shops and I'm continuing to say, no, she goes, can I have a baby brother? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm done. Like you guys are just about out of the, the nest. Like why would we go back? So sort of this, this this went on and off for like six months, and then he wakes up one morning and goes, "Um, I think I had a vision." He's the totally non-woo-woo person in the relationship. I do the yeah. woo. Yeah, he does. He does poo jokes, you know. <laughs> so there's no woo there. So when he wakes up and says, "I had a vision," I'm like, mm, "Tell me more." Yeah. And he said he saw when he looked over at his clock in the middle of the night there was a translucent baby sitting on the side table mm. so i'm like oh that's interesting boy, boy. boy. so boy. i've gone straight to my best friend who is totally psychic and i'm like he had a vision <laughs> here's what happened she goes she just started laughing i'm like what she goes yeah your son's just trying to tell you now's the time like no now is not the time time is not now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway through the course of the next two days in conversation um she said he's he was just he's showing up so showing up in his dreams showing up with the kids and um because the, the whole point of it was to kind of get me to be open to the idea because i'm the one that's got to come through you know mm-hmm. my body my vagina like yeah yeah from mom to come right so yeah it, we sort of I resisted it. I'm like, no, no, no. And then I said, the idea started to percolate. So then I've sat down with him and I'm like, let's go for a walk and let's have a talk. And up until that point, anytime the kids had brought up, we want a baby brother, he's like, no, why we want to go back? You know, we just got mm-hmm. things, things are going good. You're yeah. all trained. Yeah, so I yeah. thought that's not an option. Anyways, went for a walk and I said, well, look, honestly, how do you really feel about it? Because all the signs are pointing to it would be a boy. Mm. And he goes, honestly, It'd be a dream come true. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. yeah. Start talking about <laughs> I'm the only one that has to say yes now. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we we um, ended up having three miscarriages before we fell pregnant with him. Um, so that was a bit of a roller coaster ride in itself. 
and yeah. uh, it took us nearly 12 months I think before that happened wow. so yeah we we had him um oh it was less than he was only he was two when Corey was born so apparently the door wasn't shut quite enough <laughs> yeah. um I need a t-shirt that says it only takes once and pulling out doesn't work uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I'm the poster child in the family for my other children of what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> so we ended up with Corey, and okay. um, both both of them have come through autistic. Uh, she's got speech apraxia, so she struggles with articulation. We're just seeing an explosion of actual words or things we can identify. Oh wow! Um, so she's three and a half. She'll be four in March. Um, but this is the stage you would typically get at a one and a half to two year old speech level mm -hmm. um yeah they're both autistic they both got dietary restrictions and challenges because of the the way that it impacts their bodies it creates pain for jackson and it creates behavioral issues for corey they're both got sensory stuff but different and their diets are completely different and they self-limit wow. on top of what they can eat so i used to be the the parent that would always force them to have their veggies and i have a strict routine with mm -hmm. these two all parenting books have gone out the window right right we are now eating yeah. chips and rice and you know, all the white stuff just so they actually eat just, something right you, yeah. you gotta eat something and you know all that old parenting methods that you know probably most people grew up with where the dad has to be the strong one that'll yell at the kids and, and discipline them and stuff you can't do that with these guys there's the neurodiverse kids they just jackson will start hitting himself and he'll and he'll Mm -hmm. And Corey just, yeah, Corey. You, you just can't do it. Corey. So it's been a real, um, real change. The, the first two kids, you know, all the traditional stuff worked and we could get them to eat all the vegetables and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But yeah, so it's been a, yeah, an interesting ride these yeah. last five years. Yeah. And we took it on in our 40s, which kind of feels a little insane. I think if we'd known this was going to happen before we signed up for Jackson, we may not have chosen this path. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, there's so much good stuff that's come out of it. They've stretched us in so many ways in that we've had to go, okay, well, old parenting ways don't work. I need to learn more about well, how, do, how do they work? How does they, their brain work? What are their struggles? How do we support them? But how do we, you know, discipline or how do we, you know, all the things. And they just keep showing us that we can't go. They just don't respond the same way it just it doesn't work can i ask you guys really quickly on that is when did you figure that out how many months did it take you to like figure out the methods you were trying just weren't working it's been a process so because as they develop there's been new challenges and then as the challenges come up you go try the old thing and it's like huh <laughs> okay mm -hmm. that doesn't work and then um, I met Lillian, she's been part of my network for a long time and she's a parenting strategist and she teaches the nurtured heart approach, which is a positive parenting approach. Um, where you don't put you don't put a whole lot of emphasis on the things that they're doing wrong, <clears throat> because that tends to um, create this, particularly for kids who've got like ADHD, then they constantly hear don't do this, don't do that, sit up, don't sit still. So it's all basically um, what's the word yeah it highlights all the negative behaviors and they criticism because the, the kids crave attention, attention from from the parents it doesn't necessarily matter to them whether it's good attention or bad attention it's just attention so if you're focusing all your energy on the negative and they're getting parental attention whether it's good or bad 
they're just going to keep feeding that so that just feeds the bad behaviors so this approach is more about um, encouraging encouraging the children putting all your energy into when they're doing things that are good or or just or not doing the things that are just not doing the things that are bad yeah it's quite difficult but um yeah you just for us or for me I, i think it's a great I think it's great. It's sort of that whole um, idea of coming from a place of love instead of like anger or hate or, or whatever sort of thing. You know, it's um, so yeah. It's it's interesting. But teachers, it's actually taught us some other language to use with each other. So look, yes, we're grown adults, but there's still a part of us that's that child that wants to be recognised or validated or Absolutely. you know be told you've done such a good job. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And this is the stuff we're saying to the kids. Well, it's not just good job or well done. We actually get more specific, which is part of the process. It's like, well, before Kerry noticed that Corey had turned the tap off. And it's like, oh, well done, Corey. So good for you to turn the tap off. It just shows that you've got such a level of maturity and take responsibility mm-hmm. for the, the way that we work in the house. Or, um, you know, Jackson, even though he doesn't truly understand us, or we actually don't know how much he understands because he's got an intellectual disability. So we, we don't know how much he knows, um, but we'll say to him, um, you know, if he if he cooperates and, and lays down, I'm going to put drops in his ears. Oh, thanks, buddy. That's really helpful when you lay down and and work with mummy and daddy to put these drops in your ears. We know that you don't like it, but we really appreciate that you do your best to to do the things that are going to be helpful to you and us. Yeah. You know, so it just the whole idea is we're giving them attention in between the times where we would say no don't do that um it's not about letting them get away with stuff because there are still house rules but instead of going don't do that it's like we don't hit each other in this house mm-hmm. and then we redirect so that not, we're not putting huge amounts of energy in into what they're doing bad we're actually looking for more ways when they're not doing the bad things to go oh look you've done so well thank you so much for using your manners that really shows me that you respect you know, mummy and daddy, or you respect your brothers and sisters, or you respect this house by cleaning up. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So then they want to do more of that. Yeah. When you were having to drain and, and push so much energy into this, you said they just crave attention. I would imagine that would, was kind of hard between you two. Did you have any left to give each other attention wise? That's, that's the other thing I think. Um, Cause yeah, you're spending so much time with the kids mm. and, and learning stuff that the kids need that the, the relationship can suffer and but learning this nurtured heart approach um, has actually helped in that regard as well because the way we talk to each other is much better doing the same things as well you know focusing on all the positives and and, and that and sort of stuff. appreciation like and just not going off about the bad things when yeah. the bad things happen in a relationship you know if one has disagreements and all that sort of stuff but trying not to put that huge energy into it and then you know one person says the one wrong thing and the other person flies off the handle and you know that's never good for a relationship so you know we still have our moments but i'd like to think that it's helped yeah i think um, it's helped because yeah like you said a lot of this um you know having these kids that are need so much more of our time and separately too because mm. the two kids a lot of the time don't like to be together mostly wow. jack's he doesn't like his sister so it's, it's, it's quite often one parent per child so yeah. that sort of keeps us as part yeah. a lot as well like i might be outside i'm not out, out in the lounge room swinging jackson and he, we've got a swing inside for him to, to calm him down and rachel be in the bedroom with corey and sorting out something that's her problem and so we're not even in the same room at night yeah. time yeah. a lot yeah. of the time so it, it certainly can be a challenge we've definitely had our fair share of, of challenges like 
right now it's actually quite good, even though it's if, if I was to compare the things that I we have to deal with to the things that the average parent has to deal with, it's still really hard. But we've been through what we call hell year and now yeah. everything compared to hell year. But when we're in hell year, we're comparing it to the, all the stuff before that, which was nowhere near as bad as hell year. Yeah, right. So now we've got that, we'll often say, oh, it's not as bad as hell year. Like we can cope with this. Like it's, yeah. things are a lot better now. But we in hell year, we were taken to the, the extremes of, of stress, of burnout, of like stretched us to the max. Um, both of us at, at various times considering taking ourselves out of this life because right. it just was so hard. Um, but that was because we were, the sleep deprivation was ex like extreme. Um, yeah. The stress was extreme. The the physical challenge, the mental challenge of all of it was extreme. Exhaustion. The exhaustion yeah. was beyond ridiculous. And that went on for a year. And you, when you've got kids that have got challenges, particularly, you know, at that time it was Jackson was having a lot of pain episodes. So you're kind of like, okay, well, we'll do this. We'll start working on his gut. We'll do this, this, and this. But you know that that's going to take time. So, you know, a month goes by, another month goes by, and you, you go, okay, well, then maybe this isn't working. Maybe we need to try something else. So then you go back to a doctor, and then you book in to see the pediatrician. You can't see them for three months. So in the meantime, we'll try this, and we'll try that. So you think that, you know, oh, we'll get to that pediatrician appointment. They'll get the answer, and then this will be done. But that wasn't the way that it worked. Um, it took nearly 12, it took over 12 months for us to find the answers for him and Corey because Corey was having these epic, epic rages. Mm -hmm. I've had four children, you know, tantrums here, I can cope with tantrums. Then there was an autistic meltdown on the top of that, which means she doesn't like, didn't like the, the sound of things. You couldn't talk to her, you couldn't touch her, you couldn't, she just can't cope. Um, but that would also send her then into a rage. So if you can imagine that the angriest you have ever been mm -hmm. and how you can't contain that. So she was that and then some and sad. So she was crying angry. And yeah. when she's in that rage space, you can't touch her. You can't go near her. If you go towards her, she runs in the other direction to, to hide, but she self harms. She hurts herself. She hurts, like she gets destructive. She tries to throw things, pull things, like anything she can get because she's so angry. She has to throw or destroy. But the other thing is getting if I go to her or have to pick her up or anything, she goes at me. So she tries to gouge my eyes out, rip my earrings out, punch me, kick me, bite me. I've got scars from scratch marks. And you know, there's the last, you can't sort of see that, but that was digging her fingernails in because I walked away. She ran to me, dug her fingernails in to bring me back. But if I went towards her, she'd run in the other direction. So it's a push me, pull you. I want your attention, yeah. but I don't want you to touch me. Right, right. Yeah. So but I've learned that the best thing for her is for me to sit near her. Don't give her attention in that, because every time I look at her, she escalates. Mm -hmm. Every time I touch her, she escalates or goes another direction. So I have to sit, but nearby. I can't go to her and I can't go away. I just need to sit. And I just use my phone to distract myself because it's hard listening to her in pain. But I've got to wait until the right moment before I can entice her to let me pick her up. Once she lets me pick her up, then we we cuddle and we we soothe and we we get to the other side but during hell year that would take me between 45 minutes and two hours and it was happening oh, three wow. to four times a day oh my goodness yeah yeah so, yeah we were up driving jacks at night because that was the best way to help him because it was a sensory environment mm -hmm. he was in a lot of pain but when we got him in the car then you could see when the pain stopped and he would settle down he could sleep better sitting up plus he wasn't making noises which meant that the rest of the house could sleep so we would take it in turns. We would drive, Kerry usually took the first shift 
um, which meant that you know, the rule was when the second coffee gives out, you need to tag the other person in. So McDonald's did a killing from us, basically four coffees a night. Yeah. Uh -oh. yeah. oh no. Somebody's uh -oh. I'm gonna check on that. Yeah, check on okay. that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I would take over anywhere from sort of 10, 11 until two or three, I'd be tapped in. If it was a bad night, he'd have to tap me in early. Sometimes I did the first shift because he was so naked. Yeah. Um, with Jax, he would wake up. Once he would get through the pain episode, then he'd be wide awake for hours. Yeah. Oh, no. Making these happy yeah. screeches, which look, I love the happy screeches. Big fan of the happy screeches, but at right. three, four in the Not morning. Not at three in the morning, yeah. So much. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, for 12 months, we basically were basically not sleeping in the same bed at the same time. And if we did crawl into bed next to the other person, we didn't want to touch them because we didn't want to wake them up knowing that how exhausted they were. So all the snuggles stopped. Um, and then when you get to that level of um, survival, you're really just focused on the next thing you absolutely have to do. And if you don't absolutely have to do it, you don't do it. You stop doing little things, you know, when I'd be in the kitchen, he'd walk behind me. You know, before that, he used to, you know, put his hand on me or give me a cuddle or kiss from, you know, whatever from behind. Um, and all of that kind of stopped. I remember there was one conversation we had to have where I pulled him into the bedroom and he you had know, to come to Jesus kind of conversation. Um, and I, I was upset, you know, being overtired already. I was upset because where are you? Like, you mm -hmm. are, you're not here. You're, you're not even connecting with me physically. You're not talking to me. You're not, you know, and I had a long list of all the things he wasn't doing. And he came back and said, well, you realize you're not doing any of those things, those things either, right? You're not looking at it from that. You're just looking at the other person and going, right. well, they're not doing, or they're doing, you know, you're looking outward yeah. instead of going, because human beings were responsive. Right. So if I'd gone to him and given him a cuddle, he would have responded. Mm -hmm. And neither one of us was initiating anything, but we were noticing that the other person wasn't. And um, it just made the distance feel huge. You know, we're in the same house the whole day, but we just weren't there. Neither one of us was there. And that was the hardest. Right, right. It's those little things that mean so much and you notice when they're gone. How did you guys come together? It kind of, it was more crisis point conversations at, for that particularly that last six months, we kind of just existed through that period and did our best. Like we did get the occasional, let's go for a coffee or, you know, we did have some help and thank God we did because otherwise I probably would have ended up in hospital under, like my body would have broken down. It was pretty bad at the six month mark. But, you know, we just tried every so often to do our best. But in those conversations, when we'd have to, to chat about stuff, it'd be, okay, what do you, what do you need from me? Like, what can we do? because you know sex was definitely not happening right. and you know, the in, there was no intimacy there was no dates um none of that was happening so Kerry being is a physical affection love language mm -hmm. so he said look just cuddles just give me any affection you know if we can lay together naked great yeah. um if I grab his bits then awesome <laughs> but <laughs> but in the in the middle of that like and you everybody all you understand this, but you know, when we're so exhausted and tired, we don't feel like sex. Women are different to the way that men operate. Mm -hmm. And I was resisting doing anything that had even a remote sexual tinge to it because I didn't want to lead him on because I knew I wasn't going to be able to continue right. that. But in doing that, he wasn't getting any of the affection right. that he needed. So it was a conversation where he's like, well, look, I'm not going to not pressuring you for sex. Just if we can get some of that kind of physical touch, then 
I can cope with this. So that's what we did. And I said, I, I'm, my love language is quality conversation. So mm -hmm. you can see I'm the talker in the family here. <laughs> um, so, but knowing that he doesn't do well with initiating conversation, because I'm the one that really, yeah, that's my strength. Um, sometimes it's a case of me, him saying, well, we've got time, let's chat. Yeah. And then I you know, try to take the conversation where I need it to go to just feel like we're connecting, even if it is just, how are you really doing? Like, I just want to know how you're really doing. Um, and it's okay. I think I reinforced for both of us that it's okay if when we ask that question, we go, it sucks. Mm -hmm. It's hard. I don't like this. Right. Um, I'm really struggling. Um, being that, that honest is, um, is actually bonding. It's, it, it opens the door to being able to hold each other and say, you know what, this sucks, but let, let, we're in it together. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, it was just, it, it was finding the little things that we could do that would just get us through that period. Do you want to add anything to that? Well, the other thing was once we sort of sorted out some of the kids issues, you know, that they were, you know, we were at, when we started to actually get sleep again, and, and in uh, the same bed and at the same oh, time crazy people yeah yeah and when the kids are sleeping through the night and stuff it just when we started to remove some of that extra load um you just start to have more time for each other and you start to remember all those little things mm. and like even just stuff like like you know you know on facebook it always brings up your memories like yeah this time last year or whatever and because i used to do lots of just little posts to to rach mm. on facebook just Usually yeah, lyrics, like lovely, you find usually lyrics. like my favorite song lyrics or something that yeah. sort of reminded me of her or just little memes, like love memes and stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. I stopped doing all that stuff. And so some of these came up, started coming up on my Facebook. Mm. And I thought, oh, just to start doing yeah. that again, you know. Yeah. And then you know, once I start to do some of the little things and then Rach starts to do the stuff that she used to do and, you know, mm. we, we sort of started being more us again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it was a process. Yeah, like, there was no one thing. But it's just we, yeah. I had to do some of my own healing work because after that year, there was definitely, which a lot of special needs parents go through, is you, you build up a level of PTSD. For mm -hmm. us, it's called complex PTSD because it's not any one event. Yeah. Um, it's the whole thing or multiple events. Like every time we had to take Jackson to the hospital, even now, I'm tense as because it is never an easy thing. I always end up bruised or battered or I have to hold my son down while he screams and fights. Um, right. And that's just heartbreaking every single time. Right. Um, so, you know, you've got that to, to process as well. And I, after we kind of got through hell year and we got to the other side, um, I recognized that we were also still in a survival pattern. Yeah. So it takes time to, to re program your mind to go back like Kerry was saying to do the things you used to do mm -hmm. and there are a lot of couples that in our situation where they don't do that kind of rebuild mm -hmm. so I did the healing work on myself so I could feel better within myself um, started to eat more healthy you know try to do things more self-care and for me self-care was even just having a shower I was like, laughing with Kerry this morning I'm like I've had three showers this week <laughs> No. before before the kids i would guaranteed at least every second day at yeah. least yeah. couldn't go past a second day and not have a shower but in the the depths of hell year yeah. i'd go two months without having a shower wow. because i I'd, I'd wake up in the middle of the night put my clothes on take jacks you know take jacks for driving to, to help him soothe and, and work him through his his pain 
And then because I'd had two coffees, there's no point going home, going to bed. We'd watch the sunrise at the beach. We'd drive home just in time for Cora to be awake. Now we get into the day and off we go. And then it'd get to like three, four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm struggling hard. Yeah. And somewhere between there and about seven or eight o'clock, I get rerouted to bed. There's no way I've got the energy to do anything but crawl into bed, sometimes in the same clothing, mm-hmm. have a nap, right. and then wake up at you know, 12 o'clock and again. it's my turn to drive. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tired was... listening to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm so impressed. <laughs> I drink coffee. Like, you yeah. don't understand. She's not a I don't drinker. drink coffee. I don't like the taste of coffee. I hate the taste of coffee. Yeah. Um, but it became the only way to su- literally survive the yeah. night of driving. I, I drowned it in chocolates and mine was a mocha. Yeah. But yeah, and that, in that time, I stacked on the weight. Like I was the heaviest coming out of hell year and stayed that weight, which is why a lot of special needs parents are overweight because the stress and the physical right. um, demands of our bodies and our minds is is ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm only just now getting down to what you know that my previous highest weight without children um, to be able to get down another 10, 15 kilos to get back to you know pre baby weight. So it's a it's a process but it's um yeah it's a lot it's a it's a a big i can't i haven't even got the words for it it's a lot and there are a lot of special needs parents out there that that struggle just like we did and more um thankfully we don't have a child that's in a wheelchair that's you know bed bound and you know i was talking to a lady this morning on her podcast and her her child is 10 and they had she wakes up still 15 times a night Wow. wow Yeah. So they haven't slept in the same bed all that time. They yeah. so for us, I'm like hell yeah, right? We had one year of really bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we had little little uh, you know smaller pockets of of not so great, but um, yeah, we we don't have it as bad as some of the other parents out there that have got children that are way more need of their complete um, time and attention. Yeah. Are you guys able and in a spot now to go back to like date nights? Have you like re- been able to rekindle that part of it? Uh, it's it's kind of difficult because we need someone to look after the kids, and it's like one adult can't really look after the both of them uh, without help. So, um, and we don't have like a lot of family up up this way, and it's it's a it's a pretty big burden to sort of ask people to you know can you look after the kids it means a lot more when it's when it's our kids. So mm. our daughter. Um, Tyler is 18 now and she can look after them for short periods you know a certain amount of time so we have gotten out um, Mm. to do things uh, every now and then and we'd like to do a little bit more Um, there's also the the money factor as well so yeah yeah because I mean for the for three years I I had to give up give up my business I just didn't have the capacity to do it so pretty much when I went on maternity leave with Corey um that was that was the end of it you know with the intention of going back when she was six months old but just as that happened jacks went into another three months of of pains at night time so we changed his diet again um because he's had this most of the time on and off his entire life he was good for a couple of months so then i was kind of catching up and then it was over christmas and then we got into the new year and then we started the stuff uh and then he got sick with an ear infection and i had to give him it's so for three or four weeks before we realized he had an ear infection he was waking up every night again mm-hmm. and then we found out he had an ear infection um and i started with a natural protocol because with him being so sensitive to foods and everything 
um, my mama instincts with him is he just can't have the regular stuff. Like it's as natural as I can make it for him. But he wasn't getting any better and I had sort of mum and Kerry were like, oh, maybe we should give him antibiotics. And I'm like, well, maybe we should second guess myself. Um, so got them antibiotics and he had three doses and it got worse. Oh, and wow. every instinct in me went, stop, beef up the natural protocol, um, yeah. which is what I did. And then every week I had taken back to the doctor to get them to check his ears to know that his ears were healing and that that wasn't the source of his pain. Mm -hmm. Turned out what basically happened is the antibiotics changed his gut biome and stripped it. Um, so then he became sensitive to FODMAP foods. Okay. There's a lot of people that don't know what FODMAP is, but it's naturally occurring in foods. Things like cauliflower, um, broccoli, but only in the head of a broccoli, but in the stalk of a broccolini, uh, asparagus, uh, almond meal. I mean, this kid was already gluten-free, dairy-free, fruit-free, low-carb, all organic, no chemicals. Oh like, yeah. wow. <laughs> cleanest diet <laughs> ever. Right. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm like, what else can I possibly take out? So when we, when it was discovered that FODMAT foods might be a problem, when we took them all out, um, he slept. Uh, and then he did two nights and then he did three nights. And we're like, we, we wow. haven't had three nights in God knows how long. But the poor kid, like his poops were like cake batter. Mm. Like it wasn't completely runny, but it, it was never formed. Um, and when they did do a stool sample, there was definitely blood and mucus inside the stool. So it meant that his entire digestive system was so inflamed that it was bleeding um, and his body was producing mucus to try and protect itself. Mm -hmm. So by having the FODMAT foods and in a digestive system with, that was that sensitive, literally the food was fermenting in his digestive system, wow. which is why he was in so much yeah. pain. Yeah. yeah. So, but you just don't know what you don't know. Like you try all these things. He can't tell us to this day what hurts. We just know his behavior tells us he's in pain. Yeah. 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 How do we get onto that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, with, with rates not working, uh, oh, our, right. our finances are pretty <laughs> right. massive. We're still trying to catch up with that. So sort of, it sort of limits the amount of things that we can go do, but we should, we're, um, we definitely need to organise a bit more of that sort of thing. Like even if it's just going to the beach, going for walks. Now that Rach is getting her energy and her health, so because because that sort of limited it as well. Because she was always so tired that going out was just too difficult. Yeah. Um, so now that we're getting on top of all those things and, and the kids are better. much better, it's it's much easier for Tyler to look after the two little mm -hmm. ones at least for a little while, and we just go somewhere you know, not far away. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to get some date nights happening and stuff, go to some breweries. Got mm. mm. wine even better. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, so it's, it's what, seven o'clock our time, seven o'clock PM. So we we're winding down for the day. So we also have some wine going on right now. Oh, <laughs> well, it's one, he could make us a Jack. Yeah. <laughs>remembering that you know when it comes to the relationship any when you add any children to it it adds pressure and stress to the relationship and be, partly because you don't have the same time energy and, and attention for each other that you had before the kids came along mm -hmm. um, and the one thing I do tend to talk about is if you've got any cracks gaps or any emotional baggage that you haven't dealt with before those kids come 
that's going to be amplified. Yeah. <laughs> if you have kids like ours and the, the stress is extreme, then it is amplified tenfold to the point where it's in your face. Yeah. So the the statistics for couples like us with the divorce and breakup is high. Yeah. It is really high, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a single parent with our kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and, and like there's people out there that do it, you know, there's lots of, because of, of these, you know, high rates of divorce and stuff, there is a lot of single people yeah. with kids that are even more sort of demanding than ours. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. You know, I just feel sad. You, obviously, you know, yeah. you guys are parents. You do it because you have to. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, you're, they're your kids and you love them. But sometimes I think, yeah, I, I don't mean, know how I, people can cope. And, and lots of people don't cope. That, that's exactly that right. And that's the hard part. The, I mean, I can't, couldn't imagine going through this without Kerry by my side, knowing that I had someone that I could lean on um, that was going through this with me. Like, you know, as hard as it was, I could not imagine, you know, doing that all by myself. And, you know, and not having, and, and it, it, the same thing for the children, because our kids, those who are neurodiverse, tend to be more sensitive to the environment that they're in, physically as well as emotionally. They can feel the tension when mum and dad are not quite right. Like Jackson, it's really obvious. Like, even if we lose our temper at him, it sends him into higher distress. Yeah. So it's even more important for couples and families like ours that our relationship is solid because I need that just as much as he needs it and our kids need us to be on you know we need to be good so it makes a huge difference and that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about the work that I'm I'm now doing you know although I I wasn't doing this before hell yeah um but you know after I went okay I'm ready to get back to work I'm like all right god what what am I doing now because I yeah. could do so many things mm-hmm. um, and relationships was what came up. And then when I, all the way through hell year, I kept saying, I just know that this, there's a reason for this. I just know there's a reason for this. I don't know what it is right now. And God, we are going to have words, but <laughs> there's a reason for this. And, you know, on the backside of that and, and coming through and even rebuilding our relationship in the ways that we've had, it's, you know, it, it feels quite clear to me that that's, I've been purposely designed the experiences I've got is, is, going to do the most good with other couples like us because knowing that many of them didn't have the solid relationship going into their version of hell year like we did um, I think that's what saved us plus I'm a coach so I know a lot of this stuff Um, most average people don't have that education and even most when they first have kids are relying on what they grew up with as a parent to be the parent and to even be in relationships we grow we use what we we learned growing up most people don't seek out to learn communication skills or relating skills in order to make their relationships both healthy and thrive Mm -hmm. and i see a lot of relationships by the time i get to them because they've been under the strain and stress i can say yeah your communication's not great you actually don't know how to get on the same page you're not working as a team um you know these are the, the issues that are in your relationship which i bet were there before you had children but because you didn't have the children, it was easy to go, oh, that's not a problem or it wasn't as dramatic, yeah. but it doesn't make that, you know, they can cruise along like that for a while. But then when you, these things happen, the gift in that is that you can go, oh, okay. Yeah, we're not great at that. 
and give you a potential like place to be able to learn how to do it so you can do it better because communication is a skill relating is a skill self-awareness and, and developing emotional maturity is a process <laughs> but if you've got the tools and someone who can help you to understand that then it's possible and they're the three pillars that i tend to work on is the communicating relating and emotional development um maturity development yeah yeah <laughs> So tell, tell us, how can people find you? Because I, I mean, I think this is so, so valuable and um, important information. You know, yeah, so. um, I, you can go to my website, it's divinerelating.com. And I encourage people to kind of, you know, those who are listening to, to friend me on Facebook, which is Rach Wilson 76, it's my personal profile. Just send me a message and let me know where you heard me first, because I don't accept a lot of friend requests that just come random. Um, but I do want to be surrounded by the kind of people that I can be helping and, and learn from too. And um, yeah, and then I've got a group, which is the relationships support for couples with neurodiverse children. So I'm actively in there, you know, doing content and, and being of service um, for people like us. And then from there, it's just, you know, I've got a program, but you know, it's not for everybody and it's not the right time for everybody, but it's there if anybody wants to actually do the, the learning and the yeah. support yeah. to develop that emotional maturity. Yeah, this has been so amazing. I'm so glad that you were, we were able to connect. And do you have any last pieces of, you know, wisdom or advice for couples who are going through this? Yeah, like for me, it's, it's always, um, focusing on those little things you know do all the little things yeah the rituals and 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 the communication that's that's huge you, you really need to communicate really well um you're a team you know best friends team and that's it you, you've got to work together on this you know supporting yeah. each other like it's sometimes i don't know when i need to take a break like i get lost in doing the things that i'm doing and sometimes he doesn't realize when he's hitting a wall and, and getting low capacity, but me as his teammate and his, his best friend, I can go, Oh, I can see that you're declining. Great. You need time out. Like, let me organize that. You just need some time out or he'll say, Hey, it's time for you to shut down. Let's, you know, put the computer away. You don't need to do any more work today. Mm -hmm. I usually protest and go, I just need to do this one thing. Um, <laughs> always, always. Yeah. 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 Can't get my brain to stop. But you know, it's it's having each other there to sort of keep an eye on each other. But it's also remembering that we are personally responsible for, I'm responsible for asking for what I need from him. I'm responsible for saying, hey, I need time out or shut down time, or hey, I need to connect with you. Do you want to go and see what's yeah. happening there? Um, you know, that's, it's, it's my responsibility to heal my own baggage. It's my responsibility that when I'm triggered by something he does that I look at that within me and go right what's that really about before I go blow up at him I'm not successful at that all the time but that is my responsibility right when it comes down to building a relationship that can survive these kinds of challenges like Kerry said it's the small things you just keep doing the little things when you can't do the big things and that'll be what gets you through right. I think it's it's handy to have a list of all the things you used to do for each other when you first got um, together pull it out every so often and go okay well I may not be able to do these elaborate weekends away but what we could do is you know get the kids babysat and have a just night with the two of us so I think if you can keep doing the things that you used to do when you first fell in love yeah um, because those things guaranteed were meeting all of your needs that yeah. is why you bond in that first part um, and it's when life gets too hard that you stop doing that stuff that the bond starts to fall apart. So 
it doesn't have to be that way and just keep talking keep so so honest with each other and hold the space when the other person needs to verbally share all the emotional stuff one thing i did learn through hell year was when you're starting to have the conversations in your head like you're looking at the other person oh they're not doing this thing you know what's and then you start to build the story right or you're the other thing we did was we were so because we, we loved each other so much we weren't asking for what we need because we didn't want to burden the other person yeah so Kerry needed time out but he wasn't asking for it because he knew I was so exhausted yeah. and I probably needed the time out in his mind more mm. but the more depressed he got the harder it got for me because I'm like where's my rock my rocks my rocks rocky <laughs> rocks rocky okay can't cope with that um so that made it harder so then we had to be both of us say look I give you permission to be I need, I need you to be honest I need you to ask for what you need so that I've got a way of going right yes I can give that to you can you give me an hour I just need to shut down and then you can have all the space you need because that way there's no wall between us like I said we're in this together yeah. You know, we have to be able to be so vulnerable and honest to give each other the space to to be able to cope with what's happening yeah. and to be able to find solutions in times where finding solutions can be quite difficult. But when you do it together, like for us, when we had that conversation going, okay, what do you need? What do I need? Well, how can we meet those needs and also know that I need to meet my own needs these ways too? Will you give me the space to give me so I can do self-care? Yes. Okay. I will give you space to do self-care. It's a lot of open, honest conversations. And that is what will bond you together rather than break you apart. for listening and your continued support new episodes come out every tuesday please make sure you review and subscribe to our podcast we greatly appreciate it follow us on instagram at love after lullabies and if you want to be on our show come on you know you want to be on it email us at love after lullabies at gmail.com so she got her there's some three ears <laughs>